So today we wrap up this series and we've been making our way through the New Testament letter called Ephesians. And in this letter, the Apostle Paul has been talking about a lot of things and essentially he began with what it means to step into a relationship with Jesus. That there are all kinds of things that God does on your behalf. All kinds of things that are true about you because God did the work and all the action is being done by God and all the receiving is being done on our side. But now at the end of this letter, the Apostle Paul turns the tables and now the action is in our hands and things that we are invited to do and especially to put on the full armor of God. I don't know how many of Spider-Man fans as we have, but there is a recent movie uh, called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And that movie introduces something that I think really relates to what the Apostle Paul was talking about, because that movie tells us there's a whole different dimension. And we can sometimes live in this world of ours and think, well, what we see and what we experience, that's all that there is. But just like across the Spider-Verse, there's another dimension, the Apostle Paul says, there's a spiritual dimension in addition to the physical dimension in which we live. And if you have become a follower of Jesus, you put your faith and trust in him, you have an enemy in that spiritual dimension. It's God's enemy, but if you follow after him, he is now your enemy, and he is a liar, and he comes to steal and kill and destroy. But God has not left us without ways to deal with that and to combat that. And that's why in Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says, put on, take up the whole armor of God. The action is now in our hands. This is something that we can do, that we can actually make this a reality. And then he goes on to say a little bit later, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of the truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, to take up the shield of the faith with which you could extinguish all the flaming darkness of the evil one. We looked at all of those in recent weeks. They take up the helmet of salvation and today and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let me just clarify something really fast. You see the capital S there on the Word of God um, and the Spirit, uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Whenever you see a capital S, what is that talking about? Because sometimes as you read your Bible, you also see a lowercase s. Whenever you see a capital S, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the third person in the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so in this weapon, which is the sword, that is the Word of God, it is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is involved in that. And sometimes when we see the lowercase as, what is it talking about? Sometimes it's talking about our spirit. It's talking about that immaterial part of who we are. It might be talking about unholy spirits. It might be talking about holy spirits. What are you talking about there? In that spiritual realm, there are angels, and some of them are fighting with God, and for all that is right and good, and some are adversaries of God and are working against everything that God is seeking to do. And so when we talk about the sword of the Spirit, we're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a follower of Jesus. 
Now, what's interesting about the sword, unlike all the other pieces of armor that we looked at, as we advanced, as a soldier went into battle, they would have all this armor on and would protect them as they're advancing. But now as we get to the sword, the final piece, it is the one and only piece of armor that is actually an offensive weapon. It is not something to protect you. It is something to wield that defeats the enemy that you might face. And I don't want to oversell this, but I really believe that this is true. That what we're going to look at today and what God reveals to us in this weapon could be a game changer in your journey of faith. Because my guess is that there are many times when we're facing opposition and it feels heavy, or we're afraid, or we're full of shame or guilt or whatever it might be, and it just seems like that comes wave after wave after wave, that there's a weapon at our disposal that has the capability to overcome anything that comes against us. And what is that? There's a supernatural component to that. And it is the Word of God. But there will be days when willpower is not going to be enough. When self-discipline is not going to be enough. Where we're going to need something more than that. And what God says in this piece of armor is that there is a supernatural power that is available to you. And it is an offensive weapon that allows you to accomplish a victory that you cannot accomplish on your own. And neither can I. So what is it? Well, first, the sword. And it's pretty clear from what we just read. But just to make it absolutely crystal clear, the sword is God's word. And it is literally what the Bible says. When we talk about the Word of God, we're talking about the Bible, and we're talking about what the Bible actually says, what God communicates to us. It is God's truth. It is what God reveals to us, not just about himself and not just about us, but how it is that we can journey together with him in a way that allows us to win. Check out this verse in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And he catch what it says there, that the word of God is dynamic and it is powerful. And if we face battles over and over again, we are not able to win them. God says there is some supernatural God-given power that is available to you that is stronger than your adversary and stronger than your own willpower and stronger than your own self-discipline. And if you notice how it begins to give us some insight and break it down a little bit of what that means. That it is a double-edged sword. It's sharp on both sides. It cuts both ways. And in that spiritual realm, it is able to slice and dice what is being brought against us. And even inside of our own spirits, it can discern between what is right and what is wrong. And it even goes down to the level of our intentions and our motives. And have you ever experienced that sometimes I think I have the best of intentions, but then it winds up not being the best thing. And I couldn't even see it in myself. Well, guess what? There's a place to go where even the intentions of our heart can be revealed to us, and we can gain a reliable direction forward. And there is a depth and a complexity to what the Word of God can do in us, to what the Bible is able to reveal inside of us that we cannot find 
any other way. But God has given us a great weapon. It's called the Word of God. And it is the sword of the Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit is at work in it. And we may know that there's a Bible, and we may, you know, have a lot of familiarity with that, but we're talking about a weapon that we actually need to take up and to use. And so he begins, you know, by telling us what is available there. Now, here's what I think sometimes happens to us, though, that is we're looking for direction from God. Many times we do that, and we ask questions, well, God, how do I know what to do? How do I know where I should go? How do I know what decision I can make? And sometimes we play some weird games with that. This illustration is based on a true story. And I don't know if you've ever seen that in movies, but I get a little bit, you know, suspicious. What do they mean by that? This is an actual conversation I had with somebody years ago. He said, you know, I don't know if I should, you know, ask her out again because we used to go out, but then we broke up and it was not that great. But I was driving down the road and I saw a billboard and it was a billboard for mattresses. And it was a number on the bottom of the billboard and the last two numbers and the number for the managers were the last two numbers and her phone number. And I think maybe God was trying to give me a sign. Can I just say that's really shaky, you know, in terms of getting a sign, right? But we can say, God, give me some direction and what should I do and where should I go and who should I ask out? Can I just say this based on what we read in Hebrews? Stop looking for a sign and start looking for a verse. Because there is truth revealed to us by God that gives us more insight than some of the crazy games we play when we try to find um, a sign. And we can talk ourselves into almost anything going down that road. And I think also what it's talking about in Hebrews is about the power that is available to us, and many of you can relate to this experience. Have you ever been in an environment, maybe you heard on the radio, you were listening to somebody, maybe you were at a service, and you know whoever was speaking, they spoke the Word of God, and in that moment, something like this happened, and all of a sudden, it's as if nobody else existed. And it was as if it was just you and God in that moment. And there was something alive and dynamic and powerful that was happening. And it was as if God just speaking directly to you. That's what's being communicated in the weapon, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. There's supernatural power that is available to us. So how do we know that? How do we take up that sword? How do we actually use that. Second thing I want to share with you is the Spirit is active in God's Word, right? It's the sword of the Spirit, and that is the Word of God. Now, we're going to get a little bit heavy here uh, for a second, but you probably know this, that the Bible was not originally written in English, right? The Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written primarily in Greek. Say primarily, what else is in there? There are a couple Aramaic words that are in both, but for the most part, Hebrew and Greek. And Greek is much more of a specific language than the English language. For example, in the Greek, there are four different words for love. Right? The love that we have for a friend of ours is different than the love that we have for God or maybe for a spouse. 
and it breaks it down and gets much more specific for us. We talk about, I love hot dogs, I love my football team, I love my wife, right? There's a difference between those things. Well, in the Greek language, it gets much more specific. There are actually three words in the Greek language for the word, word. And so when it says the Thor of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, what exactly is it talking about? Well, let me give you all three words, and I'll give you the one that we see in the armor of God, which word for word is using there. The first word in Greek is the word graphe. Graphe. In fact, you want to impress your friends, you tell them, yeah, I know it's in Greek, graphe. Now, if you remember the number two pencil back in the day, what was inside of that that allowed us to write? Graphite, right? And it comes from this same word, something that we can write with. And graphite refers to the writings, the totality of the writing. So when you pick up your Bible and you see from beginning to end that there are all these pages and all these words that are in there, um, it is graphite that we're looking at. It's the totality of everything that is written down to us. And I think what that helps us to understand is that what we hold in our hands into the Bible, this is not like a spiritual um, rabbit's foot, you know, kind of a, a, a lucky charm that we could have, you know, just to say, well, hey, I've got this book around here, and apparently this is pretty important. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And there are these spiritual things that are going around. As long as I have that there, that's going to help me and protect me. Because what it's telling us is that contained in the writings is the Word of God. It's in here. It's not just magically this. This isn't like a cross in a vampire movie, you know, where you go, aha, the sword of the Spirit um, is contained. The Word of God is contained in the writings of the Bible. It's something that we're invited to go into because the Word of God is contained in it. And maybe you know some trivia about the Bible. Maybe you know that it was written by some 40 authors over the span of 1,500 years on three different continents. And there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the first book is Genesis and the last book is Revelation. And maybe you know some details about all of that. That's great. It's an invitation to go into the writings to discover the Word of God. Because there is power that is in it. The word that is used in the armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, it is not grave. It's a good thing. It's an important thing. But it's not what we're talking about there. The second word uh, for word in Greek is the word logos. And logos refers to meaning and understanding. That as we read the words that there is a level of understanding that comes along with it. It's not just, okay, yeah, I read those words. I know that there are some words in there. But again, I wonder if you can relate to this moment where you've been reading something and you're like, I've read this, you know, a hundred times. Read this over and over again. But all of a sudden, one day, it's as if the words just jump off the page and right into your heart and your soul. And in that moment, it's as if you hear from God. And all of a sudden, there was a level of either encouragement, or conviction, or a sense of direction. And that's logos. That's where we go beyond knowing that the words are in there and the Word of God is contained in there. But as we interact with them in that moment, the Holy Spirit 
that is active in the Word has brought a level of a measure of meaning to our hearts. And part of what the Holy Spirit does is we walk in a journey together with God. Holy Spirit has many different ministries, many different actions and performs on our behalf. One of them is called illumination. And illuminate to illuminate a room is to turn the lights on. And there are times when we are engaged with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. It illuminates our hearts as if it turns on a light. And all of a sudden we have a level of meaning we did not have before. And things become very real and very understandable. And the word in the armor of God, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is not grafe, it's also not wadas. It's the third word. And that word is rhema. Rhema. And rhema means to declare and to apply the word. To declare and to apply it. That means we've gone into it and we believe and understand the words contained in those pages and there is a level of meaning and understanding that we have, but now we externalize that and we declare it and apply it to real-life situations. And when we take Blagos and we take it to the next step, all of a sudden it becomes something that we factor in to life as we know it. And when we do that, we are wielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the rhema of God. God's truth, God's Word, God's direction, God's advice, God's counsel, God's discernment now apply to real-life situations. And we're using our greatest weapon that God has put at our disposal to fight the real battles of life. And I fear that sometimes... You know, we come to God and we're looking for some direction, but we often stop short of actually applying it to real-life situations. And somebody who spoke about that, um, this pastor by the name of Francis Chan, and he said that, you know, we can get a little bit weird with the whole Bible thing and we just kind of memorize things and we understand them. But what is it really that we're invited to do in a relationship with God? And that is to apply and to declare. Here's his explanation of this in a video. Um, check this out. When I was a kid, we used to play this game called Simon Says. All right, most of us have played that, unless you're really young, because there's no app for it. it, it Simon Says is, uh, you know, you just, Simon Says, pat your head, you know, so okay, you know, Simon said it. Um, it's just, it was a very simple game, but it's so weird how in the church, Jesus says, is a totally different game. If Jesus says something, you don't have to do it, you just have to memorize it. <laughs> you, 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 you study it, you memorize it. You guys, it, it doesn't make any sense. A lot of the things we do, when he tells us to go out and make disciples, and how many people in the, our churches are actually making disciples? They memorized it. You know, when I tell my daughter, hey, hey Rach, go clean your room. She doesn't come back to me two hours later and go, I memorized what you said. <laughs> you said, Rach, go clean your room. I can say it in Greek. <laughs> my friends are gonna come over and we're gonna have a study on what it would look like if I cleaned my room. 
She knows better than that. And so why do we think we're gonna come before the judge one day and quote everything that he said? The writings, the word of God is in it. The Holy Spirit is at work in it as well. And as we journey together with him, we get asking for understanding. And then when we receive understanding, we're invited to apply it to real life. Jesus said these words one day when he preached the greatest sermon of all time. It's the greatest sermon because Jesus preached it. It's called Sermon on the Mount. At the end of that message, there's so many things that blow up so many of the cultural cues that we have still in this world and all the different ideas, you know, that we've, you know, kind of come up with in this world. Jesus charts a whole different way. And at the end of it, he says these words that blessed is the one who not only hears these words of mine and does them. That we would not just know, that we would not just understand, that we would actually practice them. That we would put them into motion. That we would apply them to real life situations. And we are invited to take hold of the weapon, our greatest weapon in spiritual battle. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And finally, I want to encourage us to use the power of God's Word. To use the power of God's Word. And we see this um, exemplified for us so well in the life of Jesus. When Jesus went public with his ministry, he was baptized. He was affirmed by God the Father in that moment. The Holy Spirit descends on him. And as soon as that happens, he goes out in the wilderness and he is tempted by the devil. He fasts for 40 days. He goes without food to spend time instead to focus on God and what God has for him. And he's tempted in the wilderness. And the devil comes to him and it says, you know, something that seems pretty self-evident, but sometimes the Bible just clarifies saying that at the end of 40 days, he was very hungry. And so the devil comes and says, hey, you can turn these stones into bread, right? You're hungry. Why don't you do that? And Jesus says this in response. It is written that a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Every word, every logos, he says there. And it's interesting that Jesus quotes the Bible in the middle of time of temptation and testing. And then the devil takes him to the top of the temple and says, hey, you know, we're on top of the temple here. Why don't you just jump off because God cares about you, right? He's not going to let you get hurt. He'll catch you before you hit the bottom. Actually, he misquotes the verse there. And then Jesus says, you know, it is written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil says, hey, you know, Jesus, if you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus says, it is written to worship the Lord your God only. Now, let me ask you a question. I think you'll know the answer. Do you think that Jesus had more willpower than you and I have? I'm going to go, yeah, I think so. Fully God, fully man, 
Did Jesus have more discernment than you and I? Yeah, I think so. And in times of real temptation and testing, Jesus leans into the Word of God and applies it in a real-life moment. If it was that important for Jesus, how much more important is it for us to be able to do that and to experience what can only come in, the, in that moment? Satan leads Jesus up. But let me ask you, in moments of temptation and testing, where are we going to go and what are we going to look to? Well, this is what my mama, you know, has told me and my daddy. So my friends say, this is what they talked about on the view. I think I'll go with that. Or is there an opportunity for us to take up the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, and apply it to real life moments? To learn the power of it, it is written. If you're here today and maybe you're weighed down with shame for one reason or another, because, you know, you might say, well, that's great, you know, the example of Jesus, but I don't have those kind of moments. I haven't been taken up to the top of the temple and been tempted to jump down. But maybe you're weighed down with shame. Let me give you a verse. There is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So that shame that wants to write you off and call you somebody who is unacceptable and unlovable to God, that is a lie. That in Jesus there is no condemnation. But where are we going to go for that kind of discernment? Take up the sword of the Spirit. Maybe there's a secret sin in your life, a secret habit that nobody knows about. And maybe it's been owning you lately. And it's been around for a long, long time and you just can't seem to win. Let me give you a verse. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed. And there's something about confession telling the truth because your enemy is the father of lies and he doesn't know anything about the truth and confession. And there's power there. And again, that's in the right context, in the safe context, with somebody of the same gender and all the other pieces of wisdom that come along with it. Another verse. Romans 6. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. That's the truth about you in Jesus. In a real-life moment, temptation, we wield the sword of the Spirit. It's our greatest weapon. Maybe you've been struggling with bitterness for a long, long time. And maybe you say, you know what? I just can't overcome it. And you know what? You're right. You can't. And neither can I. Not on our own. Right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus prays these words, Forgive us our debts, our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us, as we forgive our debtors. Will we wield the sword of the Spirit in real life moments of temptation and discover the power, the supernatural power that God has put at our disposal? Or will we try to muster our willpower and our self-discipline instead?
So we're coming to the end of the armor of God. And maybe you've been tracking along with us. Maybe come along, you know, somewhere in the middle of that. And there's some really cool stuff there. And maybe someday you're going to go, you know what? The belt of what was that? I can't remember that. And then the helmet of that, I can't remember that either. So when all else fails, can I just invite you to do something as we wrap this up? If you can't remember all of those details and you wonder, what does all of that mean? When all else fails, put on Jesus. And I've read the armor of God, I don't know how many times, you know, in the course of my life, many, many times. And it was not till the last couple of weeks that I realized something, that each piece of armor and what it's tied to is actually tied to Jesus, who he is, and what we find in him. It was about the truth, right? Jesus is our truth. One day Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to know what's true, which way is north, spiritually speaking, you draw close to Jesus, and he will point you in that direction. And now we're told about the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he became our sin, our curse, so that we could become the righteousness of God. And then there are the shoes of peace. Jesus is our peace. In him we have peace with God, says in Romans 5.1. That's how people like us have peace with God. And there was the shield of faith. Jesus is our faith. He's the object of our faith. He is the one in whom we put our trust. Our faith is only as good as its object. Jesus is the object of our faith. Take up the helmet of salvation. Jesus is our salvation. That's how people like us are made right with a holy God. It's not what we do. It's what he has done for us. And then he is the word of God. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Who's that talking about? It's talking about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so if you ever wonder, in the middle of times when you are facing some opposition, what should I do, and what was that piece of armor? When all else fails, put on Jesus. Because he is our hope, our living hope. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads together with me as I pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. That you are the one that we need in every level of who we are. And thank you that you have given to us ways in which we can live a life of faith in a broken world with broken hearts inside of us. But God, we can hold on to you and we can discover the strength that is only found in you. Thank you for giving us a way forward. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. And God, when all else fails, help us to put on Jesus. That it truly is all about you. And God, we thank you for people who are taking that step of faith and trust who came to the place of understanding of who you are and what you have done and now are taking a step of application, of declaration, of 
saying, I'm going public with my faith. We celebrate that. And whenever we see that, help us to know that we're seeing the work of God in action. Only you could change our heart and our life. And so we celebrate that together. And we thank you for this day and this time together. God, continue to help our focus be on you. Thank you for love all along the way. And we ask and pray this all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.